Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. <laughs> Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. We have Mason Stoller. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. He's stoked our, to be here. Yeah, we're stoked, dude. You're our first fly fishing uh, fisherman. I mean, we haven't had any fly fishing guys, and uh, it's cool to have you on, bro. That's awesome. Thank you for having me. You know, I've enjoyed uh, listening to a lot of the local guys and all the bass guys on the podcast, so I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So uh, we were talking earlier about how you kind of started and seems like you kind of started like I did. Well, maybe not like I did, but you did a lot of surf fishing. A lot of surf fishing, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that, man. Yeah, so, you know, growing up in Huntington Beach, um, my dad has a lot of saltwater background, fishing a lot on the sport boats and things like that, and kind of, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, he got into the swim bait thing, and he was doing a lot of surf fishing, you know, for perch with grubs and stuff like that. So, So growing up, kind of the first fishing I was doing was a lot of beach fishing. So walking the beach, you know, probably six, seven, eight years old at the start, throwing grubs or fishing bait with my dad, Mm -hmm. um, you know, catching croaker, corbina, halibut, you know, whatever was kind of on the, you know, opportunities at that time. And then after doing a lot of surf fishing and, you know, going out in sport boats and things like that, I had the opportunity to go up with my uncle. I was probably about 10 years old and do a little fly fishing. Ended up going up there and getting out on the West Carson at a place called Hope Valley. And I couldn't really cast a fly rod. Uh-huh. You know, I was 10 years old and I could probably throw it like 10, maybe 12 feet. But he tied on a little Prince Nymph and I just walked the bank. Walked the bank and would just flip out 10, 12 feet, mend some line, you know, float it down, drift it, and boom, caught my first rainbow. <laughs> and that's kind of where the obsession started. So your dad didn't even fly fish at this No, time. he did not. Oh. You know, he was, we did a lot of stuff like, you know, we'd go to Davy's Locker, we'd rent the skiffs and we'd go over to like all the docks at that time by like Charlie Brown's, Mm -hmm. um, that little like paddle boat museum that was there by the PCH bridge, you know, all of that. And we'd throw swim baits and, you know, take the little skiff underneath the docks Mm -hmm. and just peg spotties. And, you know, that was always a blast. So he was always into like light line. Um, and then we decided to fly fish. And my dad probably hated me for that decision (laughs) (laughs) for about two years because as guys who did really well in surf fishing tournaments and derbies, you know, four pound tests, you know, getting two pound perch and we'd go up to Lompoc and then you start fly fishing and we'd go three weeks without fish and it was tough. 
So, you know, we... And you're doing this in the surf, too, at the time? In the surf, yeah. And you're what age? I was probably like 10, 11. Wow, starting. that's cool, man. Yeah, and we do a lot of, like, Santa Ana River jetties, a lot of that area. We'd go out you, with... You always see a lot of dudes fishing right yeah. there, too, yeah. Yeah, it's like his and hers with yeah. Frank Selby. Yeah. You know, Grace over there, she ties a lot of flies mm-hmm. out of Newport. So they, they helped us a lot, kind of what flies to use. Got us started with some, you know, G. Loomis rods. Yeah. Um, and then... Once we started hooking fish and realizing that not only was it a great method to fish, but when you connect with the fish, that feeling, you know, you can feel every head shake, you can feel every turn, you can feel everything that's going on, you know, it's just a lot more rewarding mm-hmm. to catch fish instead of walking down there, taking blood worms or something else, pitching out a big weight and sitting there until the reel is all tick, 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 tick <laughs> you know, which is exciting, you know, it's yeah. all fun. Um, but that's a lot of what we started. So learning from that. And then I got obsessed with chasing Corbina down there. That's um, a great fish. Dude. Awesome fishery. <laughs> a lot of people do not understand how good that fishery is down here. You know, a lot of guys don't, you know, they they walk through the beach all the time surfing and they don't notice there's these beautiful two, even three foot long silver ghosts trying to ram you in the ankles. Yeah. That are, <laughs> you know, run into your legs. You see them jump every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, dude. Serious. But that fishery, it took me about probably about a year and a half to get my first corbina on the fly. That's a hard fish to catch. And man. I was trying a lot, riding my bike to the beach, you know, Santa Ana River jetties, learned a lot of things about finding those fish. And that kind of started my technical skills with fly fishing, because not only did you have to time the window, right? The tide window, you need to have the gear, the presentation needed to be right. Couldn't have any slack in the line mm-hmm. so you can get a hook set. So that's kind of where my obsession went and then, you know, built from there. So it's cool to, to hear your story because you started in the surf more. I did. Right? Yeah. Not, you're not like a, a creek guy or a river guy. You, you'd started with your uncle, but your love built in the surf. Yeah. So, so kind of specialized to that. What, a what was great, the pros and cons, <laughs> <laughs> the cons were, it was super tough to start having success yeah. as guys who were successful in the surf, you know, and our local saltwater. We still would fish gear when we go out on a boat or, you mm-hmm. know, something like that until we got to kind of, I was probably like 15, 16, and then I was full-blown fly fishing elitist. You know, I would only <laughs> fly fish, no bait dunking, you know, those guys are lame. I would only fly fish, tie my own flies, rig my own leaders, yeah. you know, tapered leaders, all of that. Um so that kind of shut down some like my sport boat trips and things like that. And at that time, I got more into hiking, you know, because I got a car. Mm-hmm. So then I started backpacking and hiking and, you know, going after Golden Trout, going up into the Kern watershed. Yeah. Things like that. Um, but the great thing about the surf is that if you can fly fish the surf, dude, you can fly fish anywhere in the world. Because <laughs> of the wind and oh, shit, Oh, it's so right? tough. You know, you're walking down there with a Rubbermaid container strapped to your waist that you're putting line into as surf's hitting you yeah wind in your face and you got to make like an 80 or 90 foot cast to have a shot at a fish now sometimes obviously there's fish right at your ankles and right at your feet Mm -hmm. you don't have to make those casts um but a lot of times on the right tides you know for perch and things you're trying to get out to outside bar be super tough and you know i mean fly fishing is hard anyways yeah so (laughs) (laughs) i agree 100 percent yeah and i tried like i told you earlier I bought the whole setup, got all stoked on, you know, time fly, dude, time flies looks like, it's like a lot of fun to me, you it know, is. it's like, it's a quicker 
it might not be quicker, but it's a quicker way of like painting a lure or making pouring a bait because you can kind of get it done within about how long does it take you to tie one of your flies? You know, it, for me, it's a, there's a balance between time and effort, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and making a fly look good. So clients are happy that it looks good mm -hmm. and it fishes well, but I also don't want to spend an hour per fly See, when you, exactly. when we, we pull up at the wall, you make your first cast and, and I watch that thing hit a Harbor seal on the rocks <laughs> and get stuck. I'm like, Oh, that one's gone. <laughs> yeah. Let me tie it up another one. You know, we'll go through 15, 20, 30 flies sometimes in a night. So that's so, why it's cool to see your, your accomplishment in like 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes, you know, you have your fly tied. Cool, man. Next one, next one. Mm -hmm. And they're all a little different. I'm sure just a yeah. tad, right? Yeah. You know, you get in a rhythm, so you get it spaced out and, you know, it'd be like five minute per calico bug, mm -hmm. like a really standard pattern, so to speak. Um, you know, I bought, I brought some for you that are a lot more fancy than that. Yeah. And then some that are super simple and work extremely well, mm -hmm. you know, that you need to be more worried about getting it into the bite zone than now, having it look cool. And those are weedless. Some of them, most of them are weedless too. Yeah. All the calico flies here are weedless. Okay. So mostly we're fishing weedless and it's not as good as a true like weedless swim bait that you would fish, um, or like a Carolina rig or something yeah. like that. But it's pretty good. You know, about 70%. Luckily you're moving the fly so slow, you know, like a lot of calico fishing is, um, that it doesn't hang up too much. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so now you're getting a little older you're 15 16 heading to kern heading all over the place uh yeah so I, what I, happened now i did a lot of that you know a lot of surf fishing all the time you know halibut corbina etc a lot of trout i was lucky enough to travel to alaska to do some salmon fishing oh, i man. went to belize you know caught my first permit um, bonefish, things like that. So oh. I was really lucky to be able to travel with my dad a bit and fly fish some destinations. And then, you know, down here at the time going to high school, it wasn't cool to fish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> especially on, on top fly of fishing. Yeah, on top of that. I was going to say fly yeah. fishing on top of that. <laughs> I never chose the easy way, <laughs> but you know, it wasn't the cool thing. Like no one was walking around wearing fishing gear. I mean, it's pretty rare to see that. So I had like a few buddies that would maybe hike and go fish with me or had a dad that likes to go camping or maybe we do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I went to college in Santa Barbara. I went up there and I ended up staying up there and working up there for about six, seven years. Oh wow. And when I went up there, I continued, you know, fly fishing, the surf, Santa Claus lane, you know, yeah, that's the, a good spot, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> there's all sorts of opportunity, leopard sharks up there, yeah. you know, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but I did a lot of that and I ended up coming back down here for work. I got a, uh, accounting position over at Stussy. Wow. That's cool. Man. Yeah. So I actually ended up working at Stussy for about, um, four or five years. And when I came back here, all of a sudden, you know, this social media thing that I was never really a big part of, you know, and I, I always had pictures of fish and, you know, I've got stacks and stacks of that stuff in yeah. the closet. Um, <laughs> but you know, I came back down here and all of a sudden there are all these guys wearing all this gear, you know, fishing was super popular, you know, sport boats are packed, you know, all this stuff's going on. I was like, Whoa, Wow, I'm so surprised. And then I started getting started on social media as that kind of paralleled me pursuing a new small business pursuit that aligned with my passion, yeah. you know, something I've done my whole life. So, so the whole time you were still surf fishing, uh, at the time, were you going out on sport boats with the fly rod or never? No, never did that. Never. I basically, 
you know, when I was younger, we did the sport boat thing here and there. And, you know, those guys are legends, you know, they've pioneered the industry out here, mm-hmm. you know, they're so grateful for a lot of things those guys and those captains have yeah, done. Definitely. Um, but that experience with 80 of your best friends, you know, fishing shoulder <laughs> to shoulder, <laughs> uh, it's definitely not good for the fly rod. Um, and then, like I said, for a while I was quite a fly fishing snob, <laughs> Um, and that's kind of turned around and, you know, now I'm just all about getting out there and having the best experience on the water you can mm-hmm. and really enjoying what we have to offer out here in Southern California, which is unbelievable. You know, a lot of people don't understand this fishery from the Calico side of it to, you know, obviously this new until totally unheard of bluefin phenomena. Yeah. But you know, so did you fish spotties too for uh, a lot of spotties. With your fly rod? With the fly rod, you know, first it was always, um, you know, little swim baits mm-hmm. um, and ducking under piers and docks and stuff like that on the little skiffs and flipping those around. And we'd get some good ones and then started with the fly rod. And we'd still sometimes use conventional because on the skiffs then it was tough to hold position. Yeah. And flies sink very slowly. So you get a lot of slack in the line. Difficult to hook fish, difficult to fish structure like that. Mm-hmm. Later, when I was more in my college age, I started float tubing more. Now, float tubing, kicking in position, you can hold yourself in position. You can present a fly right there in the dock, get mm-hmm. it down there and get that spotty and, you know, get better fish. Wow. So we, we, we would go back and forth when I was growing up. <clears throat> Most of the fly fishing we did in the harbors were like Kings Harbor, Newport Harbor, Dana Point for Benita, um, Little Yellowtail, Barracuda, Mackerel, of course, yeah. and Calico Bass. So we, you know, work the jetties and look for calicos. I, we never really had a boat or the funds to go and fish Catalina all the time and some of the stuff that I love doing now, but uh, it was always a dream. So well, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about how you there. made it happen, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just, you know, my story is really just working, just kind of being progressing through life, always wanting to accomplish that next step, but not necessarily knowing where to go. Mm-hmm. So in high school, you know, I knew I had to continue getting good grades and doing those things. And, you know, fishing was always kind of just a passion and a hobby going into college. I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily. So I did business economics and accounting, um, and ended up falling into accounting and I hated it. <laughs> to be quite blatant (laughs) so you know every day um year after year you know going to the cubicle and grinding out excel spreadsheets and you know all that stuff and you know that's kind of why i think at that age i you know fell into jujitsu and took out a lot of aggression and And how old were you when you started jujitsu 23 23 and how old are you right now uh, 33. 33. Wow. Yeah. So you've been doing it for a minute, huh? Yeah. So I started in Santa Barbara at Paragon with a guy, Jeff Glover. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so that Jeff was Glover. A, he, uh, yeah, he's in San Diego now. Who did he do? Yeah. Guy sounds like oh, a, he has like a donkey guard and all kinds okay. of funny stuff. I know. Epic. I've, I mean, one of the best yeah, like American a, grapplers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great okay. guy. Great guy. Pretty I've funny. heard of him. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a, before this, I was a <laughs> jujitsu uh mma dork you know yeah i never trained you know really but i just loved yeah. watching it like that was my sport yeah i love Pride, it you know ufc oh man uh all the dream stuff everything mm-hmm. dude that's what i loved watching man like uh oh god uh, who's my favorite i love vanderlei i loved oh, yeah. <laughs> uh 
Axe uh, Ax murderer. Dude, I mean, that was the back in the day, yeah. you know? Savage. Yeah, Melvin Manhoof. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was my guy, man. Yeah. So shout out to my buddy Johnny Morgan and HB. But yeah, he's, yeah. he's a black belt there, hyper modern. He, awesome. he teaches at Huntington High School. He's a wrestling coach there. And um, yeah, so that was a great outlet. Yeah. But, but, you know, having an outlet like that is wonderful. But when you're looking down the barrel, so to speak, of 40 years of doing something you hate in a cubicle. Um, and you know, at that time I was listening, like you said, some influencers like Joe Rogan and, you know, all sorts of guys, David Goggins and, um, was like, man, you know, the only way I'm going to get out of this is by doubling down and just work, just pure work. So when I had time, either weeknights or weekends, I started chasing, building my own business that would align with fly fishing and a passion is something I love and I'm willing to wake up and put in a 12 or 14 hour day. You know, if I'm going to do a 10 or 12, 14 hour day in accounting, doing something I hate, <clears throat> I'd rather double down yeah. and do something I love every day <laughs> Yeah, um, and be willing to go the extra mile for people every time, Yeah, you know? So that's, that was the pursuit, um, and started chipping away at it. And now about <clears throat> six or seven years later from starting that, um, kind of, you know, with a center console and the offshore and inshore scene out here, I've been getting after it. So I'm super grateful <clears throat> and I feel really blessed to just have had this opportunity and been able to make it happen. But <clears throat> I'm working harder now than when I was in accounting, <laughs> <laughs> but you love it. Love it. That's a big Love difference, it. right? Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's the big game changer right there. Right? Absolutely. You, you love it. Um, so you've been doing it guiding for... Not a... not guiding, no. Okay, so you I been... just officially started, so to speak, last year okay. with my captain's license and actually being able to guide. But last year, I was only taking people out on the weekends. So you're or building... You're, you're <clears throat> building like kind of a... A little bit of a base, you know, yeah, building my before reputation. You, before you just yeah. went down. That's a good idea, man. That's yeah, great. Yeah, there's, there's a pro and con to that. You know, the good thing was that I had security because I still had my 9 to 5 job and that paycheck coming through. But life has a way of punishing you for going <laughs> half in and half out. Yeah. You know? Um, so, th- so I worked really hard and any opportunity I got to put guys on good fish, you know, got it done. But there are a lot of times where the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, it's blowing 25, 30 knots. Monday through Wednesday was unbelievable, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you just have to deal with that. But this year I'm all in on it. So I do have a little bit of a small business and some other things that I also put time into, um, to continue to make some passive income because, you know, no one really gets rich off fishing. You know, if that's, if that's your plan, this is not <laughs> the right place to be. Wise words. We've heard a couple people, different, you know, uh, guests say that. Man. Yeah. So yeah. over the years, you know, I've built, um, some, some serious small business assets in the cryptocurrency world. Um, oh, also in wow. Amazon and FBA selling and some things like that, which is all pretty boring, but a ton of other work and a oh, ton of other. Oh, interesting to me, dude. Like I said, oh. I'm into everything. It's like. I like to hear everything, but you know, you know a lot of that work, no one sees all that, but you know, that's a lot of how I've been able to get the, the, the vessel I'm in, you know, the boat I'm in and be able to go all in on this is cause I've been able to build that income stream. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all part of that process, man. That's a, you had it really planned out, bro. That's a really big accomplishment. I don't know about that. I just, <laughs> it's just like one of those things where you just know you got to go forward. 
So you just keep overcoming You're hurdles, all in, right? hurdle after yeah. hurdle after hurdle. And then the more you just do that, the more it gets easier and easier. And then this year, stepping full time into chartering whenever, you know, anyone wants me to charter for them. Um, I've been rewarded by doing that for sure. And it's been a really good year already. Great. So and it's not even that long. That. So. It's brand, yeah. Brand new March, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when you started kind of thinking what you were going to do, were you kind of like going, okay, I'm going to start fly fishing from a boat. So how did you go about that and be like, well, it's kind of different than the surf, right? So, you know, being a fly fisherman at first, you're really stoked in the experience of fly fishing, you know, learning how to cast the line properly, getting good at that, you know, watching a, a small golden trout come up and sip a tiny caddis off the surface. Yeah. It's a beautiful experience. You know, that's great. And then as you get better at fly fishing, I started getting more obsessed at the game fish opportunities out here. Um, and obviously having some background in conventional fishing out here and everything, I'm thinking yellowtail, you know, like <laughs> I, I don't want to hook a two pounder, you know, I want to see what a good one feels like, you know, and, you know, fishing Bonita and stuff. We already had a little bit of that. So my first thought was really, I want to get into a boat and have that as an escape from Orange County and kind of the rat race that is Southern California at yeah. times. Um, when you're working in finance all the time, you know, got now I have a four month old, but you know, you're getting married, you know, all these things are going on. It's not super easy to go drive to Mammoth and fish the Owens or Hawk Creek or, you know, go up above that or go backpacking for four days, all um, amazing, you know, experiences, but I wanted to wake up on a Saturday and get lost and then, you know, come back to it. Yeah. So the ocean provides that opportunity, you know, and I've, I've always kind of been obsessed with the ocean with body surfing, surfing, you know, fishing the surf, you know, yeah. all of it. I've always been obsessed with that. So <clears throat> that was kind of my first thought. And then being like, Hey, not only do I love this, I'm obsessed with this <laughs> and then bringing people out with me onto the boat whether they've never fished before in their life and I put a spinning rod in their hand and get them hooked up to, you know, 15 pound yellowtail, they, you know, they're, they're telling that story four years later, you know, always, you're going to oh, always man. tell that big fish story. Yeah. All I, run, the time. I run into so many of my buddies like, dude, do you remember we were at <laughs> San Clemente and this and oh yeah. my God, that was so epic. I'm like, fuck, I forgot about that trip, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not to them no, though, because but... that's their, that's their shit. You yeah. Know, that's their jam you yeah. know like that's it right yeah there. so so that so that experience kind of was how i got so obsessed with the fact that you know i love fishing but man it's even more exciting to watch other people catch because i can make such an impact on people's lives mm -hmm. and a lot of people that have a lot of stuff going on you know and life isn't easy for anyone no one gets out of this thing easy no. and if you if you look at this person or that person you think they have it right Man, it's tough, you know, <laughs> and being able to take people out fishing and all of a sudden you're at Catalina, it's like a different world, you know, and you're bending on, you can't believe how hard this fish pulls. You're getting your ass kicked, you know, yeah, dude. No, 100%. <laughs> um, and then the fly fishing thing, you've got these guys that have no idea what kind of opportunities out there. So, so same thing with fly fishing, I mean, taking them out there and watching them catch fish. It's, it's unbelievable. And I'm sure you're getting a lot of dudes that maybe lake fish or river fish that haven't yes. been... Yes. Which is a completely different, um, a lot more rewarding, I'm sure, to be like, here, let me show you something a little different on fly fishing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> you know, 
they're used to catching maybe 12 or 15 inch trout. Dude, they have no idea how hard a six inch calico pulls. Dude, right? Dude, <laughs> they think it's a, a 20 pounder, you know? And then <laughs> the thing comes flying out of the water and it's six inches long. I'm like, all right, man, well, that's your first one. Good job. <laughs> Let's try to get a 12 inch. Like, we can't even imagine how. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's true. And <clears throat> I was talking to Eric Ben about it. We were uh, filming the other weekend and uh, I hooked into like it was probably like a 10 incher, but it slammed into the kelp. And they're fighting back on the kelp. And it looked like I had something good. Mm-hmm. And it's just the game. It's like, you never know. It could have been a 10-pound fish or 8-pound fish. It looked, you know, just set the just right, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I love about, like, you know, and bycatches. I love bycatches. That's yeah. like my favorite. Yeah. So that's the, the, the cool thing about calicos to me is, is yeah. uh, you never know. Well, if you think about calicos, and most of the guys who listen to this podcast probably love calico yeah. fishing, um, as I do as well. The calico thing, you know, for a conventional guy, you've got your bait caster. You know, a lot of these guys are on big Lexas yeah. with 65 pound braid, 50 pound mono top shot, mm-hmm. throwing, you know, giant lure, um, some big slug or this or that. And that drag is buttoned, <laughs> buttoned, right? Yeah. And you get that bite, they're going to rip that thing's face off and pull that thing out of the kelp or whatever you're yeah. fishing, right? Button just boom, bending. So now you have a fly rod. You're casting one fly rods are just hard to cast. Period. If you stand out in the grass, it's hard to cast. Oh, I agree. <laughs> and then you're jumping on a boat. You're fishing probably at night because you're gonna get your best opportunities. as fish are coming away from the wall more or wherever you're at, mm-hmm. or you're at an island or something. But the game plan is basically you're gonna make this cast, and then as you're stripping in line with your hand, and you may have five feet of line or thirty feet of line at your feet, you get bit. You have to just hold that line <laughs> as hard as you can. And not give that calico an inch. And you have no reel to help you. And if that line slips out of your hand, it's over. So you're the drag. Yeah, you're, you're the, drag, you're the right? button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to shut that fish down. It's so like that fish two days ago. Oh, I'll cut you It up. wasn't, you yeah. know, it was a good fish, but it wasn't anything ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, he, he took about six inches before I stopped him. And luckily I stopped him there. But yeah, I mean, he shredded my finger. No so. gloves? You, were you wearing gloves? I'm terrible about that. I just... You should I be need wearing to. gloves, yeah. I need to, but I'm just stubborn. Oh, and man. I'm still a little bit young and dumb. <laughs> 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 but but yeah, so that's the experience. you know. So these guys are used to fishing off the reel, or they're able to just strip a fish in slowly, and the calico experience is so different. It is a give-no-line situation. Um, and that's, that's an exciting fishery. And like I said, the wall offers great opportunities cause nighttime. Mm-hmm. So those calicos are going to be willing to move a little bit further off of that structure. And with a fly, it's, it's tough to get down. Oh, so, I bet. Yeah. So light too, right? I mean, yeah. So the sinking is really the, the line that's sinking. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of slack. If you can make a really nice cast and you can get that loop to completely roll out, it's going to lay that fly line all the way out and you have a pretty good connection with the fly. But a lot of times due to wind or whatnot, you're going to not going to be able to punch that fly. So it's going to kind of crumple at the end. Mm-hmm. And then you have a lot of slack while it's sinking. And then you have to wait 10, 15, 20 seconds to get that fly into the zone, especially for this bigger grade fish. Most of the time that might be, you know, 15, 20 feet down, Yeah, um, especially at this time of the year. Um, so you're waiting for that while the boat's moving around and all of that's going on. So it's, yeah. it's tough to get that fly in the right zone when a swim bait, you know, you're throwing it in there 
and that weight is just ripping it down and you can have a free spool. So, you know, you could put the boat, you know, in reverse yeah. and the thing's still going to sink somewhat near the wall. You know, if, if you're tight on the fly and the boat moves back 10 feet, that might just pull your fly off the wall and you're not even going to get yeah, bite, you know, makes sense. So, dude. so a lot of it's boat positioning, uh, making that cast up current, similar to fishing a stream where you need to throw it up current, let it swing. So you're going to throw it up current, let that thing sink. And hopefully in the middle of your swing, when that's the deepest point, you're going to feel that tick, tick. Yeah. Strip as hard as you can set. <laughs> and hopefully it's a good one. <laughs> Man, the way you explain it, it sounds awesome. Dude. You know, like that's how I got clothes on surf fishing. Dude, I was yeah. like, dude, dudes would tell me like, you're the drag you're doing this. I'm like, fuck yeah. So I go to Bob Marriott, take the class, buy all the shit, try it. And I'm like. <laughs> Oh, this is a lot of work. <laughs> well, that, that's yeah. the thing. You know, I've got a good buddy of mine who I fish a lot of bass with. Mm -hmm. He is a full-blown gear bass dork. Yeah. You'd love this guy, you know. <laughs> His name's Kevin Keller. Um, he's from HB, and uh -huh. he fishes green bass and everything, too. And he comes out in the boat, and he's always geeking out on the flies and all that, but he refuses to get started. Because <laughs> he's like, it's going to be another 20 grand in gear. <laughs> I have to reassess. I have to change everything. Uh, I need one for spotties. I need one for this. I need one for that. <laughs> yeah. So he fishes with me all the time and, and we go head for head pretty good, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's always impressed. And, and sometimes one is working better than the other. Now, um, but, will you put your rod down and grab the other one if it's working better than the other? I'm super stubborn when it comes to calico bass. <laughs> yeah. Not with calico, huh? No. You'll stick with the fly rod. With calico? Okay. <laughs> So <laughs> here's another, so I have a bit of a curse right now. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear it. So I've been working real hard to get some quality fish on the fly rod, you know, the last handful of years out mm -hmm. here and I've done pretty well on the yellowtail front, but Calico about four years ago, I told that buddy specifically, my buddy, Kevin, I told him, I am not going to post another picture of me with a Calico on Instagram unless it's over seven pounds. And dude, I have <laughs> been... At that mark, <laughs> four years deep, huh? and I can't, I can't break it. What's I, you just keep hitting fives, four, sixes, sixes five, six sixes. and a half. <sighs> okay, one even at the wall where it was that fish when you boga it. If the boat's rolling in the right direction and you kind of jiggled a little bit, you could see the seven pound mark. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like a six and a half, yeah, <laughs> or like a six point three. <laughs> what? Uh, what is it? One of the biggest? Do you know anyone who's had like a huge calico on a fly rod? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a handful of guys. You know, like we said before, Vaughn, mm -hmm. you know, from Salty Fly, that guy, he's a legend. You know, he, he certainly helped me a lot. He's he's always been a really good dude and a good source of uh, information for me when it comes to just boating and things like that in general as well and captaining. Um, I don't know what his would be. I'm sure he's probably gotten a couple of <laughs> solid ones. Um, just recently, you know, I got that like... It was just about six pounds. The night before, Glenn Ueda got, I think, an 8.5. Wow. That's a big that, fish on the fly. Is that all the guys, the Calico Syndicate guys? Is that There's Calico Syndicate guys, yeah. There's a okay. couple guys. Vaughn's right. a part of that and great. some of those guys. Yeah. And they fish all the islands, you know, Santa it's great Barbara videos, Island. too, that yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah, they did a couple of videos that were, you know, phenomenal. I mean, yeah. High quality. The other the other shout-out for a good Calico is Al Quitachi. Okay. Al Q. Yeah. I th he's got the record right now, and I think that's like a nine point two. Oh and he God. got he got that calico, and I think like a thirty two or thirty six pound sea bass oh the gosh. same day at Palos Verde, and got both those fishing. records. <laughs> <laughs> I would have quit fishing. Like I'm done. 
<laughs> yeah, that's not bad. <clears throat> not at all, dude. That's not bad. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I don't spend all my time calico fishing, of course, but, um, but I love to do it, you know, yeah. and like just, just recently in this past month, I mean, this is prime, prime, prime season for shots at big fish on the fly rod, especially locally. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done enough of the San Clemente Island deal. Generally, when I've gone over there, I'm fishing yellowtail okay. or tuna and things like that. Um, I think that's a huge opportunity for the fly rod, and I want to start pushing that a little bit more now that I've got a rig that is going to make Clemente a lot more available for me mm-hmm. in a wider array of weather conditions. And you just got, when did you get your boat? Um, I picked up this in January. It was like January 11th. Oh, this is brand new. This is pretty yeah. new to you. Then. Yes. So I've, wow. I've always wanted one. I had a good friend who used to always take me sea bass fishing and such on a 22 foot Cortez. Mm-hmm. So once you, once you ride on, um, a Radin style hole, it'll change your life. <laughs> it's a, it's a different deal altogether. That's what I heard. Uh, Chris Oak, one of the guests talked about it and he's, he has something like that. I forgot. I'm not sure about what boat, but he, he talked about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the divers really like it. Yeah. Cause you, you know, you can get out of the weather a little bit and they get a little cubby. I mean, those guys are insane anyways, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree a hundred percent sleeping out the islands and you know, 15 foot Radins and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've always wanted one. It's a good combo. You get a little bit of the half cap pilot house, get out of the weather, you know, zip up the curtains, but then you can also fish around the entire boat, walk around it, yeah, fly fish off cool the bow, part, right? all yeah. of that. So, so it's wow. a good deal, but yeah. You had a little trip on to get that back. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So pick that thing up. Um, my first boat, um, I picked up locally. My second boat, I went to Alabama Man. and I saved a lot of money on that. And then this boat I actually found in a barn in Visalia. Okay, so that's yeah. not too far. Yeah, so the Davis I found in a barn in Visalia, and it was actually a guy who was an almond farmer. So Harold gave me a call and said this guy might be willing to sell his boat. And next thing I knew, I was driving up there right after Christmas and trailering down a gorgeous 25-foot Davis Bahia. So it was a dream come good, true. everything was good. Yeah, you know, 480 hours on... Um, not bad. Yeah, Volvo Penta. It's 2005. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, you know, I do all the maintenance myself. That's one of the only ways you can really keep this type of operation going. Is you gotta it's, be willing to put in all sure, the work. I'm sure. I'm sure it's like, dude, I just had my boat maintenance, and oh, I was like, yeah. And I have a 60 Merc, and I was like, 500 fucking dollars, bro. Oh yeah, <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. And I, I take it to Temecula, dude. Yeah. So it's like I take it I take it way out. So it's kinda like, ah, you gotta do what you gotta do though. I mean Yeah. I mean if right? you're not if you're not willing to work on your boat yourself, you're gonna spend a lot of money. I know. And <laughs> you're not only gonna spend a lot of your money, but I like having the confidence and trust in knowing what's going on with my vessel. You know, and replacing electrical and getting ahead of things and making sure that everyone's safe and it's dialed in. Yeah. You know, so that's important. So I spend a lot of time doing maintenance and being down in the yard. That's good, dude. But, yeah. So you have it you to dry dock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep it on the trailer. All right. You know, go down to San Diego or go to Dana Point or, you know, Davies. So you're or, pretty open to people. Like if they live that way, you'll launch yep. out of the, depending on what's biting. Yeah. Yeah. So really my program is to do what is best. Um, and generally for fly fishing, I'm always pursuing whatever game fish opportunities there are. Um, I do a lot of make with shark fishing. With the fly. With the fly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Now, that is actually one of the older um, saltwater fly fishing 
kind of opportunities or like guiding programs that have been happening out here. You know, Conway, so people have been doing it for a minute. Yeah, like okay. Conway Bowman, um, a couple other guys down in San Diego really started a lot of the mako mm-hmm. fishing. Um, Dave Trimble, some legendary guys down there. Um, up here, uh, a guy is a good friend of mine, Bobby Harrison, and I. We've we've worked on the program a bit, and you know he's got Dana Point dialed. <laughs> I've learned a lot down there, and then I've um, figured out a lot of spots up here and the offshore banks and things. So, so you're starting going for deep water when you're fishing these fish, it, it's all over. You know, really? the the inner canyons, like five to ten miles off the beach, is really good for forty to like hundred and fifty pound makos, which oh, are wow. really that perfect fly rod fish. Are you using something like that? Yeah. So. One of the setups I brought today is a 14 weight, and that's kind of wow. a perfect Mako rod. Okay. Um, and you, you can land them up in that two to three, 400 pound range. It's mostly just boat driving and, you know, catching <laughs> up to them. <laughs> like um, running, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting how you rig them with the fly. You know, okay. guys think you need to use really, really heavy gear. But the thing is, we use like 69 pound wire. Mm-hmm. And on the bigger sharks, it just slides right between their teeth. Makes so you, sense. Yeah. yeah. And you can pull really hard on 69 pound wire, obviously. And those fish, they have to drag around a thick fly line. Yeah. So with all the fish that you catch on a fly rod, they have to carry around about a hundred, 110 feet of fly line. So it's a lot of drag in the water. You can pressure those fish pretty hard. And just like these guys out here on the conventional sticks, they like those eight and nine foot sticks that, you know, flex a lot and mm-hmm. protect you in head shakes. Well, a nine foot fly rod you can pull so hard on dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pull as hard as you can. And that rod just is giving and flexing and surviving head shakes. And so it's tough to pull a hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to set the hook on Mako's, I put the boating gear. Wow. Really? Yeah. Cause these guys, you know, you're just yelling at them. Like just, just pull as hard as you can on the fly line. And they're just grabbing the fly line, just pulling as hard as they can. And I just basically button the drag, put the boating gear and even though they're setting it, the shark's just swimming on the surface. He has no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> no idea. You know, this guy's pulling as hard as he can, bouncing the fly right up and down. Yeah. Shark has no idea. Yeah. It goes to the reel, boom, it starts ripping offline and I and I pressure the boat up in gear a little bit. One for safety. Two for the hook set. Yeah. One, because if it's a big shark, I don't want him doing a backflip, you know, over the transom. <laughs> and most of these guys are hooking these Mako sharks you know, 20 feet from the boat. How, what's the biggest, uh, when you're in your boat? Um, last year we had about a 450 pound long fin what that we got fuck? to the boat. And that was actually really cool. Cause I haven't seen many long fin makos and those things look like a freaking plane coming through the water. You know, they're kind of like a blue shark. They have like this huge pecs. So I've seen some bigger ones and I hooked one that was considerably bigger, but it just ended terribly <laughs> <laughs> or had a guy on my boat hook one that just ended terribly. Uh. And he's also he was screaming at me that he's going to get ripped off the boat and, and he's scared. Oh yeah. And the thing ended up taking off, put the boat in gear through like three backflips and got the fly line completely wrapped around its body and just snapped the fly line in half. Damn. Yeah. So you don't want them to get wrapped up in the fly line. Most of the fly lines have 30 and 50 pound cores. Obviously a 50 pound core is not going to last much on a shark's body. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let alone once they're on flips going 40. (laughs) <laughs> can you do do rock fishing with fly rods too you know the opportunities for rock fishing is more central california or north because 
you can only get a fly so deep. Exactly. That's what I was kind of wondering. Yeah. So even for yellowtail fishing, Mm -hmm. you know, I do a lot of yellowtail fishing, Catalina, um, for example, a very well-known spot to get big yellowtail on the fly rod, Farnsworth Bank, Mm -hmm. you know, and the pinnacle there is, you know, 50, 60 feet deep, depending on what's going on with the tide. And you're setting up in a spot. You need to get that fly down 30 feet, hopefully, you okay. know, to get bit. You're counting out usually 30 seconds or so to get that fly down there because there's so much slack and the actual fly line is so thick, it has so much drag on the line. So a lot of times when we're fishing yellowtail or even tuna and they're a little deeper, mm-hmm. I'll tell the guys, just count to 30. So Perfect. you'll make yeah. a you know, 60-foot cast, let's say, with the fly rod. It doesn't have to be crazy. And you'll strip out the last 40 or 50 feet and just mend it out and let that fly sink as deep as possible. Yeah. And then just strip it in as fast as you humanly can. Wow. Yeah, that's a key for yellows. They like that shit moving fast. <laughs> and it's like a surface iron. They like it swimming yeah. properly, yeah. right? So the same thing. Like you guys fish yellowtail, you know, you're surf- making it. You're making it swim, and by stripping it. Yeah, and okay. and just like you would pick out irons, all right, and you get an iron, you're like, dude, this thing swims like a fucking donkey. It's just is terrible, <laughs> you know. It doesn't swim well. The fish, you know, they might follow it. They won't eat it. And then you yeah. get that one that goes like flutter, flutter, kick, and that thing just gets crushed. You know, every time you throw yeah. out yellows. So for flies, it needs to swim well. Same thing. You can't tie it too bulky. You can't tie it too thick. Yeah. You don't want it swimming sideways. You don't want it corkscrewing through the water. It needs to swim straight up and down, nicely keeled, and swim very quickly and not push a ton of water. Because the okay. bait fish doesn't push, you know, a mass amount of water. And then you're gonna get those eats. So wow. a lot of times guys tie too much material. And mm-hmm. actually you want to kind of keep it pretty sparse, especially for bait fish patterns. Calicos they like pretty bushy flies, but they like, you know, they eat pretty big stuff. Is this, is this stuff you've learned just over the years, kind of researching yeah. maybe a little? A lot and... of trial and error. Wow. You know, um, a lot of trial and error. And the yellowtail thing, I've kind of been starting to work with more game changer flies, more articulating bodies. Mm-hmm. And that has been working well. But again, they like it super sparse. Yeah. Really, really thin and just a silhouette kind of kicking with that tail motion. And you'll get those fish to come and eat it. Um but that's, that's kind of been my obsession lately. Last year, I got my personal best locally out of Huntington um, on the fly. So that's wow. been my goal. How I'd big like is that? 28 pounds. Wow, yeah, dude. I can't break that 30 mark. <laughs> I have hooked in a couple that I hey, absolutely schooled me. Don't say I'm not going to post it on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be hitting 27.9. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say anything about that one. I don't need another curse. <laughs> the Calica one's tough enough. Maybe I'll break it after this. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Probably not. <laughs> Oh, I'll probably man. have my next client on the boat hook a nine or something. Has someone you know? hooked a nine a client? No, but they've gotten some big ones. Yeah. They've gotten some big ones. You know, I've taken some guys out. Like I had um, Dan Blanton and David McKenzie out. Now, Dan Blanton, I mean, a legend. You know, he, he ties a whistler. Um, a guy I looked up to growing up, you know, read his books, you know, a lot of that. And he came out fishing with me, which was just you know, unbelievable, yeah, you know, yeah. amazing. Put these guys on some fish and they crushed it. And the guy with me, he got almost a seven pounder at the wall at like 10 in the morning. Stoke. And I'm out there at two in the morning, <laughs> you know, freezing hands are numb, yeah. fingers bleeding, you know, <laughs> do you like fishing that night? The wall better. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It, it just me bites too. better. Um, 
it bites better and especially for the fly where I can't get quite as tight you know you just it's really tough to get in really tight with the fly just sinking because because when you think about fishing a vertical structure with the fly you make a 60 foot cast towards the wall and the line's tight right so when that if you keep it tight that fly is going to move away from the fly Makes I mean sense. A, a move away from the wall and come huh. underneath the boat as it sinks if you keep it tight but you need it tight to feel those hits especially the bigger fish they don't exactly just clobber it. a lot of times it just feels like a tick tick yeah and then you come tight and oh shit it's a really good fish mm-hmm. um so then the other thought process is okay so you throw that 60 foot cast at the wall and then you strip out that extra line you strip out 20 feet so now you have all the slack so now that fly is hopefully sinking totally vertical along the wall but you have 20 feet of line in the water and slack. So when you get hit, so down, you, yeah. that fly is getting assaulted <laughs> <laughs> and you have no idea anything's going out yeah. on down there until like all of a sudden your fly line's moving really fast and you're like, Oh shit, I'm bit. And then you come tight and that thing just has you so buried. Yeah. You know, you, you might feel a head shake or something, but the thing's 10 feet inside the wall, Yeah, you know, and whatever. <laughs> and you know, you, you bust it off, you break off the end of your fly line, the fly line's all rash and destroyed. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the whole game. It's really tough with a fly yeah. because of a lot of those issues. So a lot of people don't even recognize all of that that's going on. <laughs> so it's tough fishing with the fly. It's definitely um, not the easiest route to go, but it's really rewarding. And like you were saying, with a lot of guys who like to paint crank baits and you know yeah, all these hard fun, baits, man. and they're making these crazy glide baits and all these unbelievable lures for you know big, giant, large mouth, and you know like some of these fish that benny and decker and all these guys get i mean it's just insane you yeah, know when they're dude. getting those huge calicos um the fly you know you're tying your own flies so mm-hmm. when you have success oh man sick you know it feels double great. down because you just made you made that and you caught that fish on that that's yeah like, yeah that's 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 great yeah i've held that a couple times man i made a, a bait and it got bit i remember making my own jerk bait and uh, I had a, a uh... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, Barracuda hit it and caught it. I caught it and I'm like, fuck yeah, you know, but <laughs> the Barracuda will eat anything, but it was just cool making that jerk bait and, yeah. you know, yeah, it yeah. was a pitch making it too, you know? Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is when I used to be all into that. I'm yeah. And, there's, and there's no right or wrong. You yeah. know, I mean, I've seen guys come out and I'm like, dude, don't throw that fly. 
And then, you know, third cast, like a really nice fish. I'm like, oh yeah, flies awesome. Yeah, great job. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll try something like that. Okay. That's kind of yeah. weird. Huh? <laughs> and it's always something different. You never know. Like, yeah. Maybe you just don't see it, you know, something that you've never seen, fish and haven't seen, you know? Yep. Yep. Definitely. And and a lot of that is changing, you know, progressing just like your guys' game is. You know, there's all these new companies that are putting new oh, heads yeah. out and all sorts of new materials. I mean, you can go freaking nuts on fly time materials. I mean, you can spend a lot of money I bet, in that man. area. Um, and and that, that's, again, for me, it's like not going too crazy on the, the fly tying side. I mean, that's a whole art in itself. I mean, fly tying. I mean, there's some guys that tie unbelievably realistic flies. And some of those fish like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they look amazing, but they fish terrible. Yeah, they just don't. So it's, there's a balance between having stuff that fishes really well that you can tie a dozen in a night and be successful with and not spend, you know, $40 and two hours to tie a fly that your first cast, you mess up, <laughs> <laughs> throw it in the kelp line and bust it off. Do you uh, buy flies too? I do not. Never. No. Oh, we used to, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I started, like I said, at his and hers back in the day. Uh-huh. You know, I got like a little travel set and I started tying my own flies. So I always tied. But it was over after that. Yeah, <laughs> it was over. I always tied all the flies for my dad and I. Oh, that's you know, cool. basic stuff, you know, clousers and all of that. And then grew, you know, to more advanced fly tying. And now I'm kind of in a middle range where I want to make them work very well. And it's all about performance. Mm-hmm. So I'll sacrifice, you know, other portions of it to just whatever is performing the best. And yeah. sometimes it's real simple and sometimes it's more involved, you know, and you need the crazy silicone legs or random this or that, <laughs> or the, the painted sculpting heads. You got to paint a bunch of heads or oh, you paint them yourself too. Yeah. You know, oh, just cool. like you guys would paint, you know, irons yeah. and lures and stuff like yeah. that, you know, powder coat them or, you know, dip them and stuff like that. And, you know, paint all those and those make it, that makes a difference. So it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some other stuff where you're, you're doing that more for the fishermen than the fish. <laughs> Dude, it happens, right? Yeah. And, you know, those flies sell for a lot too, you know, $20 <laughs> a fly. Fuck. Oh yeah. People sell like game changers and some of those are expensive flies, but you know, it took the guy an hour and 45 minutes to tie one and he tied you six. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But dude, if I lose that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know yeah. I have to text my father real quick because he's got to pick the kids up. So hold on one second. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Kids get in the way sometimes. Uh, yeah, I got a four-month-old, so I'm barely even getting dude, started. I'm just trying to I survive. Bet, man. A boy or a girl? <laughs> a girl. A girl. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, it's amazing. It's You're amazing. not sleeping then, huh? Um, Not too much. <laughs> With that and fishing, you know? <laughs> yeah, really, dude. Yeah. Uh, you like the Ballast Point guys going... Constantly, <laughs> I do. They pick them up. The sponsorship, <clears throat> yeah, advertisement. <laughs> That's yeah. It yeah, is a good yeah. beer, you know. Dude. Shit, and it's awesome in Alamitos right there, where you can just pull oh, over we, and just. Yeah, crazy. we did the first Bell's Point there, and I got too drunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> Messed I, up the recording a little did, bit. Yeah, sounds like some sort of technical error, some sort of like software very, failure. Very much, well, we'll call it the software failure. <laughs> yeah, that's, my, that's what it was for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just think that it came out good. But uh, so let's. Uh, this is so interesting to me. You know that. So it's been. This is your first year guiding. Yeah. Um, how many trips have you done? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, this year, you know, I've actually been pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing anywhere from. 
probably my lightest month was January and I had prior 10 or 12. Oh, and that's then great, the last dude. two months I've been on the water anywhere from probably like a dozen to maybe 16 times. Um, and most of that has been nighttime calico. Um, which is cool because that means dudes are coming for that. Yeah. You, you know? know, it's un you know, it's unbelievable who you meet in fishing. I've met some of the coolest people bet, in fly fishing yeah. from all over the place, you know? Um, and it's such a cool experience to go into LA Harbor under the lights, you know, kind of yeah. that urban Harbor and throwing a fly rod at night. You know, most of these guys <laughs> have never fly fished off a boat, let alone have ever fly fished at night, let alone at night off a boat in the ocean <laughs> looking for this super angry, pissed off, yeah. like weird, large mouth bass looking thing. <laughs> and fishing at night, like a totally different game oh yeah and like, you can't see the fly line you can't you don't know what's going on so you kind of it's a lot of its feel yeah I, 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 and you cannot you would think oh just put a headlamp on it doesn't work you're fucking blind when yeah. you're doing that so you got to have all the lights off yep and because i just i've been fishing at night more yeah. and more the last couple months and it's like i had leds i put them on my boat it doesn't help you can't nah, see nah. shit then mm-hmm. the only time i turn on is if i'm tying mm-hmm. then i turn it all back off wait yep. about a minute to adjust and then i'm good yeah like on my boat, I've got a little like console light, and it's red. So I just flip on the little red light so I can tie it. It helps like, a lot, the red? Yeah, the red's a little bit faster to okay. turn back to like your night vision. Yeah. It doesn't hurt you as much. And then, you know, whip out a bimini twist for a leader yeah. or, you know, tie on a fly or, you know, okay. something like that and get that in. Um, but like last night, you know, I had a couple guys out the wall or even this morning, and it was blowing. Dude, it's 15 knots, you know, oh. south, southeast. So we were, <laughs> we were battling out there. Yeah. And they were killing it. You know, and the guy on my bow, he's from uh Pasadena casting club. He was probably twice my age and just crushing it, dude. In the dark, couldn't see. Fun. I'm sure he was <laughs> and stoked, just hucking, right? hucking him in there. <laughs> and once he got the rhythm, kind of, you know, slow cadence, kind of that like strip, strip, pause. And on that pause, <laughs> you'd get that thump, you know, hey, I like how you say pause. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's coming. You're like strip, strip. Mm, there it is, Bam. Yeah. you know, and you're on them. So, so like, how they've been before calico bass fishing. This guy had fished them up off of like a larger boat, like kind okay. of um, the CJ out of uh, Cisco. Okay, so they go out to Channel Islands and fish like six fly fishermen. But that's a different deal, you know. Fishing off a sport boat is you're walking up to the bow, making a cast, stripping out line, and then walking with your line to the back of your boat to then to get let, to where the fish kind of yeah. Are. So then let it sink and then strip it back to the boat. And you you've know, done that before too? I have not. No, really? I've, I've, I've strayed away from that, you know, um, being lucky enough to be on buddies boats and private boats. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I started there. And then obviously owning my own boats, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's just, it's not quite the fly fishing experience when you're doing that. It's a little different. Um, just like fly fishing streams and all that, it's about moving, you know, searching a lot of spots, mm-hmm. you know, throwing a lot of flies and really casting to different areas. Yeah. You know, when you're on a skiff, and you're casting at the wall, you're trying to hit pockets, you know, you're like, okay. I'm gonna throw it over here. I'm gonna throw it over here. I'm gonna look, Oh, look at that. Look, there's some stairs right there. I mean, everyone knows the stairs on the wall, right? <laughs> hey, 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 you're giving it away. Bro. <clears throat> there's always fish there. Uh, <laughs> check that. Uh, but you know, stuff like that. So you're picking and choosing, you know, you're more involved. Like yeah. the, the sport boat thing, you're, you're throwing off the bow. You could cast it five feet and just let out 80 feet of line or cast it a mile. It doesn't matter. And you just walk into the back of the boat and then letting it sink and then stripping it back. Still awesome. 
tons of fun. Just a different but It's just a different deal. Yeah. The skiff is very intimate. As you guys know, you know, fishing calico bass, you know, on skiffs and, you know, getting in there super tight. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, tell me about it. You know, I take out fly fishermen. Some of these guys can't cast 30 feet, you know, and I've got a 25 foot Davis that I need to put within 30 feet of the wall in 15 You're knots of Southeast it. wind be, be, be back and forth, huh? <laughs> just constantly on the trolling motor, you yeah. know? Um, and luckily those Minn Kota's are motor? awesome. 112 pound thrust. I don't like Minn Kota's. I bought, I bought one in June mm-hmm. and the fucking Bluetooth head went out already. Mm. Mm. And I had to have a replaced. I pilot. Yeah. Yeah. I had to replace the last one on my other riptide, but this new riptide I had, or I've gotten, it's got the big 72 inch shaft and everything. So yeah, probably, probably because I don't know, I have a 50 something. I don't know. It's a bit, it's a 70, mm-hmm. 70 thrust, I think mm-hmm. to 24 volt. Mm-hmm. Is it riptide or saltwater? Uh, or? It's riptide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I have the Bluetooth. I don't like the, the, um, the controller hand control. I feel like oh, I no? lose fish. Yeah. But I wanted the foot one, so I was going to get the foot pedal, but then the I think it's the one I have, you cannot plug in the foot pedal. Oh, gotcha. You got to have another control board. That's where they get you, gotcha. which is mm-hmm. fine. They want you to buy the right shit. Of fine, course. Whatever. Of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's my. I had the cabled one on the, the bow of my boat, right, right. and the cable broke. I'm like, oh, I'm going to upgrade, so I got that. And yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's cool. I mean, it works. But yeah, the, the GPS anchor is awesome. That's I'll give you that. That's, okay. that's especially cool. for fly fishermen, <laughs> where you need to let that fly sink more. Yeah. Right? And there's a lot of places where, and even you know, I do a lot of sea bass fishing. You know, and I, I like fishing a lot of backside spots in Catalina. Um, that's kind of what I did a lot when I was growing up and with my dad and stuff, and taking boats out like the Dreamer and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was really lucky to. I have a dry storage neighbor from years ago, Glenn Dorado, who mm-hmm. is an absolute wizard with the sea bass. And he's helped me in a lot of that fishing back there. Um, and I love doing that. And the GPS trolling motor is such a help. <laughs> you know, bet. I fly up on a spot, I throw the motor in, I, you know, look around the inside reef a little bit, move it out, move it in. If I don't see those fish, I pull it up, I haul ass to the next spot, you know, and two, three hours later in the morning, you've found fish. Um, dropping the anchor, spend a lot more time, you know, (laughs) you know, you drop that thing in the wrong spot or, you know, make a mistake. You got to choose carefully. And, you know, all the time, like fishing sea bass, you drop the anchor and something changes a little bit in the tide and you're 20 feet off the spot. Shit, dude, get up there. We got to pull that thing reset. You know, we'd reset the anchor three times, four times, five times. And then you're there. Okay. Now we've got... Chum drifting right back on the fish. Um, here we go. We're getting our baits back there. Boom. Now we're a bit, you know, we're in the right spot. So the trolling motor just takes all that out of it. No, yeah. And, you know, some guys are like, man, you got to learn the old way. You got to, you know, fish the anchor. <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I'm, I'm all about technology a little bit. You <laughs> <laughs> saves me time, bro. Yeah. You know, places like Farnsworth or, or Isers, you know, yeah. where guys, I watch guys lose their anchor there all the time. You know, they're spinning on the anchor, trying to rip it out in reverse and stuff. And it's really nice. And it's really Especially for like beginners too, like new bass guys that come out here and get a bass boat. I mean, you'd be able to fish with a trolling motor on the GPS. It's a big help for them. Do you fish sand bass with the fly too? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. That's actually the biggest bass I've caught on the fly rod is a sand bass. How big? About eight pounds. Oh, yeah. that's actually nice. Dude. We just got 
uh, like a little bit over eight on the Boga um, with the guy Zakari Picardo about two weeks ago on my boat. That was a big sandbass. And that was from the Inner Harbor. Dude, there's yeah. some big fucking fish Have in there, Have you seen dude? what Benny's doing in there? Dude, right? God. Did you look at Instagram lately? I was like, oh, what the fuck? Jesus. That thing's huge. I mean, hey, given um, <laughs> Benny's not the tallest guy in the world, but <laughs> <laughs> he is the freaking man. Yes, and the dude. bass that he holds up, they're like as big as him. They're fucking dude. huge. <laughs> and you look at the live well, and I'm like... Yeah. He's got a big he's fucking the man, boat, dude. and I'm like, he's oh my man. god, yeah, yeah, he's he's unbelievable, and and he and he brings guys out there and puts them on like eight pound plus bass all day. It's ridiculous. Yeah, dude. It, I mean, like when I first started, there was a couple different guides I reached out to, and then I bought the boat and just started googling shit. I'm like, how the fuck do I do this? I, you know, the first person that helped me was Mark Higashi. Oh, okay. So I went down to a performance and I said, mm-hmm. I go to the kelp all the time. I can't catch shit. <laughs> he goes, this is what you need to do. So he gives me a sled head and he gave me a, a you know, jerk shad yeah. and punch through, drop it down. Yep. Once you feel it hit the bottom, reel yeah. up. I'm like, you sure? He's like, trust me. The extra tip on that would be that it's a gulp <laughs> and that it's saltwater <laughs> <Yeah>. flavor. <laughs> and then you're really going to get bit for yeah. sure. And you're going to catch something all exactly, day. Exactly. <laughs> right. So I fucking do it and <clears throat> long be old, dude. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, like the a, little gulp shads. Like that's like dude. the secret for me. You know, if I'm in the wall or something, I have someone who's never fished in their life. I mean, all ever. day. And I'm like spinning rod. You know, 15 pound test gulp shad. Here you go, buddy. First cast. You know, the rod is just jumping up and down. I'm like, awesome. oh, shut the bell, bud. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're on. Those gulps just get bit all day by yeah, I mean, they can't stop. They get torn up quick though, and they're kind of pricey. You know, well, and they're scented, than, so I'm, yeah, you know, it's kind of like cheating a little bit from a fly guy. You know, hey, either, hey. Fish, either fish the bait or <laughs> fish the artificials, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> uh, no, I hear you, and uh, that's one thing I started. Now, from there, you kind of learn the bite. Yeah. I feel like it's a great starting tool. Yeah, hookup baits. I mean, same oh, yeah. thing. Do they work? Yeah. Uh, when I first started, I try. I used them. Yeah, you know, I put my kids on them. Well, you know, they yeah. work, dude. I, I've never fished a hub bait. Um, I have nothing to say about the whole drama and all that. I've heard plenty about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's all not, I got to say is that for me, those things are so expensive. <laughs> I don't. Yeah I, that, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have the yeah. money to buy them. So, but uh, and a lot of the guys I talk about, they're all about all oh, those things for sea bass or this or that. I mean, to be honest, if I'm going sea bass fishing, like those fish I got in January and some of the fish I got in recently, I'm fishing squid. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. I, you know, for 60 bucks, I can get a scoop, Yeah, you know, or go make bait myself. I yeah. mean, you know, what works really good for sea bass is, is squid yeah. works like real good, you know, yeah. <laughs> just a lead head. What about squid. those chase baits? Have you used those yet? No, no. I saw those. How they, look? they look yeah. insane. I'm like, fuck dude, just yeah. in the co-host bought some. Yeah. They look, yeah, yeah. They look just like the real deal. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I saw them, they had it in like that, you know, freshwater tank, like yeah. that little glass tank and they're popping them up and down. I mean, they, they do look insane. Yeah. But like most of the thing is like most of sea bass fishing that I do and a lot of that, like I was trying to do this last weekend, um, it's in really shallow and it's mostly in murky water. Um, and I don't really care what the bait looks like that scent and a lot of that that's going on with having live or a fresh dead is a lot of why you're getting those fish to eat. You know, a lot of those fish are pretty lazy in there and those sea bass are just swimming along, sucking up squid that is like half dead. You know, those are the squid that have spawned out. They're half dead. They're just kind of floating mid-column, kind of twitching around a little bit. Yeah. And they're just coming through and going gulp, 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 and just getting fucking huge. So, you you know, that's why those bites, like those really big sea bass, it's just like tick, tick, 
tick, tick, tick, tick. You know, it's like a catfish. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you put it in gear Good, and you're yeah. all, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, and you're on. Um, but, yeah, but, like, that's a, the type of sea bass fishing I do, so I don't, I don't use too much artificials for them. I've yeah. been trying to throw the fly for them a lot, but it's it's a tough, tough fish to get. God, but dude, I, I got a handful, but nothing absolutely ridiculous, so. Yeah, well, hopefully this summer I'm looking to get a yellowtail at least. Uh, yeah. I never caught one yet. Oh, really? Keep... At all? No. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm, t- I'm about I'd like solid. to put, I'd like to put it out there. I will solve this for Nick. <laughs> Do you want to go next weekend? <laughs> oh, dude. If I didn't have drumline fucking stuff going on, I'd be like, I'm in. Yeah. You know, but uh, that's my... I want. I mean, it'll come. And I yeah. love calico fish. I love fishing, dude. Like yeah. I said, if you said, let's go catfishing, I'd be like, cool. Let's go. Yeah. I'm fuck- yeah. Dude, the carp guys I had on, I'm like, oh, dude. That that sounds fun as shit to me. Yeah. Like uh, anything. Like, There's you a lot know? of good opportunity here for carp. You know, LA yeah. River has gotten Dude, super popular with the fly the, fishing. Yeah, Western species guys, they go down there and they'll catch them. Oh yeah. Um, but I love fishing, dude. It's fun. All of it's fun to me. And you know, like uh, meeting new people, meeting you. You know, I've met so many cool, cool yeah. people, man. It's it's been. It's a blast, dude. Yeah. And uh, it's cool to just meet different walks in the fishing industry. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like the first fly guy, so yeah, it's really cool to have you on and kind of talk about flies. Uh, talk about what, what flies did you bring today that you uh, uh, made up? Yeah, so I've got a couple of sculpin patterns. Brought like three different sculpin patterns um, and a sardine, anchovy. You know, the basics that okay. we're fishing out here. Um, the calico flies are basically have a weighted lead head similar to what it you guys, looks like yeah just like a weedless lead head almost, right yeah you know um it's obviously a lot lighter um with a fly rod you're throwing the fly line you know not the lure mm-hmm. so you don't need a crazy heavy lure and if you tried to throw a really heavy lure it would obviously kind of break down the whole casting of the line so these i think are about a quarter ounce or so or a little bit lighter and that's about as heavy as you can go um, okay. but this, this thing will feel really heavy on a fly rod and we're, I throw pretty heavy fly rods. Mm-hmm. Um, do you use the same weight rods for a uh, calico for calico? I'm usually fishing like an eight to 10 weight okay. fly rod, sometimes a 12 weight. If I'm throwing a really heavy fly line, okay. Um, a really heavy fly line would be like five fifty to seven fifty grain, mm-hmm. uh, which will get down maybe eight to 10 inches per second. Wow. There's a little bit of a trade-off in using a heavy fly line um, and not getting the diameter of the fly line too thick. Because even if it's super heavy, if the diameter is very thick, it would not sink as fast. Okay. So there's kind of a trade-off of keeping it a pretty thin diameter and then still having it heavy. So like that 450 to 550 grain line is very good for calico. So And then yellowtail, I fish anywhere from like a 10 to 14 weight. Kind of like what you would use for uh, uh, the the... The Makos? Makos, yeah. Kind of same rig? Yeah. Um, you know, it depends if you're on an area where you're 90 or 120 feet of water at the islands and yellows are boiling and you're hooking them and there isn't a huge risk of structure, then you can fish a lighter rod. Mm-hmm. If you're fishing a place like Farnsworth or some of the other spots where you have to stop that fish very quickly, you're going to use that heavier fly rod so you can really pull on them. Yeah. You know, um, and those fly lines have a lot of stretch in them. So they have a lot of stretch and they usually fish it with like a bimini twist and straight floral. No tapered leaders. They're not necessary. Yeah, I was going to ask you next because when I read into it, when I was surf fishing is like, I'm like, what the fuck do I do this leader? Because I just bought everything pre-made, but <laughs> yeah, like yeah. people have like 50 different ways. <clears throat> and it was a dude on, on uh, SE surf fishing. Oh yeah. Oh, those I guys forgot are, the fly fishing, yeah. the guy's name, but 
And I kept fucking messaging him. He's uh-huh. so, I don't remember. Uh-huh. Super cool dude. The fly fishing version was a fly flicker. Okay. Was the kind of local message boards here. And my, my handle back in the day was no bait dunkers. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm out here at the island and stuff like that fishing bait. You yeah. Know, you got to do what you got to do. But yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, you know, these flies, they're all kind of specialized for our fishery. It's something that's just been made by the guys out here and flies have kind of progressed as, you know, the gear and everything has gotten better. You Mm -hmm. can throw bigger flies, heavier flies, things like that. Like you mentioned earlier, like the Calico Syndicate guys, those guys played around with a lot of different fly lines. You know, they, they originated some stuff and played with some really, really ridiculously heavy fly lines and things. Um, and definitely found out a lot of things that works and a lot of things that didn't. Mm-hmm. So I've definitely taken a lot of things that I've read from, you know, old school guys like Dan Blanton and Lefty Cray and, you know, legends of fly fishing to, you know, newer guys and, and really, you know, out here, we've had a pretty big legacy in fly fishing. Like, you know, there's guys like Ken Hanley and Jay Marikashi and Doug Uematsu who pioneered, you know, fishing Corbina down in Belmont Shores yeah. on ghost shrimp patterns. And dude, that guy, he'd get 10 Corbina in a day. <laughs> it took me about a year and a half to get one. How about halibut? You got a lot of halibut on the fly? Well, yeah, I've gotten a lot on the fly. Mm-hmm. I got my first keeper at the river jetties. I was like 15, <laughs> sick. Hey, me and you both. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude, nice, nice. I got a keeper there and I've gotten a, a I think my big one was at sunset. Oh, okay. Uh, but, dude, River Jetties is a dude, is a great spot. You know, the other... I'll shout out another spot right here because no one ever fishes gonna, it anyways. They're going to get mad at you. They should, but uh, <laughs> they won't go down there anyways. You know, between Balboa Pier mm-hmm. and the Wedge, there is some phenomenal opportunity there for all sorts. The beach thing, and kind of why I backed away from that, is that there's so many beach goers. You know, it's hard to fish down hey, here. You cannot you get, fish summertime, dude. It oh, sucks. it's brutal. It's insane. <laughs> it's like you're and fishing everyone's for waking up so two early. Hours, like, two hours to fish summertime. Everyone's got it. like the motivational Instagram shit going, and they're all waking up at five to go for a run on the beach. <laughs> so everyone's down there. It's, a, but, it's pros and cons. I mean, I caught yeah. my big PB, and there was an old couple there, and I'm like, Can you take oh, a picture? Fuck. I was screaming, fuck. And they're like, whoa. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And I'm like, can you please take a picture? And they're like, yeah. And I'm, they got a couple, but. Um, do you have any good boat stories? Like a boat rookie, stories. rookie moves, <clears throat> any like uh, crazy stories on your boat? <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't have too many crazy boat stories being from like an accounting background. I'm pretty meticulous and I'm pretty conservative. So I'm super slow uh-huh. with like doing those sorts of things. I'm very safe and like very step oriented. So if things are like going out of order, I'm always wait, wait, okay, stop. Let me review everything. What's going on. Um, but one of my good buddies has fallen off my boat twice fishing oh. <laughs> at night at the wall. Not my current boat, but my past one. Yeah. And one of the times was about two years ago when all of those great whites were being seen in sunset, Ooh, you know, fuck, and all of dude. that. <laughs> and we're all talking about it. And it was super windy, you know, super windy. Um, and he's up on the bow and he, he's, he's throwing some big swim bait. And I'm fly fishing off the transom and he, as he goes to throw his cast, it hit the rail or like the, actually, sorry, the top of the T-top. So boom, hits the top of the T-top. He drops the rod. So he tries to reach over and grab the raw rod and he just goes head over the rail oh, in the water. Dark as shit. I can't see shit. And he's freaked out, <laughs> dude. <laughs> hey, what buddy is this? 
Uh, <laughs> I won't blow him up. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. You know what's going to be great? Is your buddy's going to call you and be like, you fucking dick. Dude. <laughs> and he, he fell off that I'm shit. I'm sorry. Hold on really yeah, quick. Yeah. So you I saw mean, him in the water. It's dark, right? Well, I didn't see him. All I just heard was just like, and this oh, huge shit. splash. I'm like, what the fuck? And the trolling motor is going nuts. Oh, so it's fuck. slapping around right next to him. Uh-huh. So he goes right into the trolling motor, basically. Luckily, that wasn't a big deal. It comes oh. under the boat. I hear him like slapping against the bottom of the boat. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, pops out, and he's freaked out, but it wasn't the end of the world. And, and, and he twice j- he's done this. Twice he's done this, <laughs> yes. Now, what was awesome was the second time he did this, he lost the rod. The first oh. time when he fell off this time, he actually got the rod. <clears throat> second time he lost the rod. So then he gets back in the boat, and I'm like, dude, you dropped your rod. That was your brand new Lexa. It was like a Lexa 300 oh. that he just got, and he's all amped on it. And I'm all, yeah, man, well... Um, you know, you could throw an iron at it. Maybe you'd get it, you know, just total bullshit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, give yeah. us something to do yeah. while I'm fishing. And I give him an iron. <laughs> give him something to do dude. while I'm fishing. <laughs> I hey, go- I don't want to look for your shit. I just want to keep fishing. I go into the center console and I grab an iron and like rig up a rod real quick. So you can just like pitch it back there. Cause you know, it's back there somewhere. Right? Yeah. And after I give him that rod, like I walk by my console, I'm going up to the front of the boat and I look down on the fish finder and I shit you not. There's like a four foot rod like sticking up out <laughs> of like 17 feet of water at the bottom. And there's oh. literally a rod sitting there on my meter. And I, I'm like, is that, that's not a rod, you know? And I'm like, dude, throw your iron right there. He throws it first try, strips it. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm on something. And I'm like, no fucking way, dude. No. And he's like, oh my God, I'm on it. And he gets like super serious. You know, he's like, like he's like hand lining this, you know, iron really slow. Yeah. And it was his rod. And we got it back. Oh, that's off awesome. The meter. Great, dude. Yeah. Thank God you could read that fucking meter, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of an epic one. That that's cool funny, to have but... buddy stories like that. You yeah. know, like I've had my buddy see me fucking my first boat, fucking have vessel sis break down, yeah. drop it off the fucking trailer onto the floor. Dude, I haven't done that. I've been really careful with that, that's you know, good. since the very first time. But growing up being around boats. And kind sure of knowing what the program is, <laughs> I already knew what the program was. Yeah. So it's like that, that boat doesn't get unhooked until that transom is over water. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I already had a lot of that kind of ingrained in me and was on boats a lot. So once I started running my own rig and building that up, it was, it was kind of like I already knew the program. I just had to dial in what my program was. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, so, so I don't really have too many boat stories. I've certainly use vessel assist you know no <laughs> doubt dude didn't you do one wrestling recently <sighs> no who's i thought it was not you. me maybe in the last did you tow someone recently no no i thought it was you i would i would help people though of course that's good to know <laughs> you look out for hey i would just him. give you the finger and <laughs> go by <laughs> hey is your boat wrapped <laughs> no no <laughs> then you can't do that <laughs> No, i'm gonna try to stray away from that i don't have any sponsors or anything like that actually yeah None at all. You know, it's been, um, it's been self-made. So that's good. And that's kind of like we were talking about earlier. You know, my program is really, you know, I will conventional fish. I'll take guys out to do whatever I think is their best opportunity to have an excellent time on the water and experience something fun and exciting, you know, in SoCal and hopefully put them on a trophy. And that's, that's been my goal with this whole program. Um, and to be very honest with people in terms of, this is what the outlook is, you know, and if I think 
it's going to be a waste of your time for me to drive you around the ocean, I'm going to flat out tell you. I'm going to flat out tell you that I want to reschedule, you know, here's your other options or this or that, and try to give these people the best possible scenario. Which is is really amazing. My dad and I have experienced it all. You know, we've, we've, we've done a lot of charters, five chain charters, whether they were, you know, out here or in Belize or, you know, wherever we were, we were going. And we've, we've, I've seen guys put their fish finder on demo, you know, and you're looking at the thing and you're all, dude. That thing's on fucking demo. It's not metering fish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or just or just literally, yeah, fish here, guys. And you're like, dude, this is the most dead water I've ever seen. And this is and they're just trying to, you know, make a buck and get you out yeah. there. And although I have a lot of respect for the fact that that's your way of living and I and I get that, but I'm doing everything I can to make it so I can be honest and let people know. And there's, you know, I think social media and Instagram, a lot of what that has done to fishing is, is a different thing. You know, I, I see guys reposting stuff from months ago saying that the fishing's on fire for yellowtail <laughs> or something like that. And it's Which like, dude, is- I, you know, I just worked so freaking hard for that yellow. I got that guy on yeah. recently. Yeah. Which is a really good fish, you know, for March and on the jig. Oh, great, man. And I worked my ass off for that fish, you know, but I'm not going to bullshit you. You know, I mean, I told him, I was like, dude, we're going to work super hard. We're going to cover the whole island. We're going to go looking. We might have to go deep. You know, this might work. That might work. Got it done. But it's, it takes a lot of work, you know, and I'm going to be honest with people. So I think the more transparency you have in fishing is good too. It's not always going out and just killing these fish and it's badass and, you know, we, we crush it. It's, you know, it takes a lot of work. So you got to be, do you throw back a lot of the fish? I, especially with the fly fishermen, yeah, they, they throw back. They don't care. You, you know, a lot of it for me personally, 95% of the fishing I do will be fly fishing, you know? Um, cause that's really what, where I'm trying to it's accomplish certain goals, yeah. um, as well. But there's other fishing, like the bluefin thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, for example, I'll tell you a story about that. Um, you know, those bluefin were never available when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. We never had 200 pound bluefin and stuff. <laughs> So like in 2014 or 2015, when they were first showing up, I was all gun ho about getting one on the fly and I hooked one and I was on it for about 45 minutes and it was just fruitless. You know, I wasn't getting a line back and he ended up chewing me off on 60 pound. And then I hooked another fish last year that just dumped 450 yards of backing on me to the knot and I busted him off. And I think that, I think he was a little foul hooked, which I think was part of it. Yeah. Um, but like the bluefin thing, you know, I didn't have much conventional gear, you know, the conventional gear that I had for my dad were old Cal stars and like Penn senators and stuff like that. So I think it was 2016, I had missed some fish on the fly rod and I went out with two or three of my buddies and we're like, we're going to go see if we can get a bluefin. Like I'm getting on conventional. We're going to kill one of these things. (laughs) Fuck it. So (laughs) I take like a 1980s Cal star eight footer with a pen nine Oh Senator. Terrible idea. (laughs) Go running out behind Catalina to the 499, where this is about August, and those fish have now moved off kind of like they were mackerel bank, kind of like that area, and they mm-hmm. moved north, and no one was on them. No one, they're just sitting behind fucking Catalina, no one on these fish. Mm-hmm. And we knew from some of the billfish guys, some of the marlin guys. So we ran out there, and right as we're starting to slide up on the 499, there's just blow ups everywhere. Just oh, blow ups everywhere, not a boat in sight. Tune on the Disneyland, huh? dude. 
And I just turn around and yell at my buddy. I'm like, let's get a macro back. Let's get a macro back. And we just had on straight 80 pound. And we noticed took a macro, slide it back. And before we never even put it in gear, you know, we, I just put the boat in gear. He had it free spooled and it was on. And when he closed the bail on that fish, I just knew that was such a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh my God, we're fucked, dude. No harness, no stand up gear, old Calstar, Pen 90 Senator. Gosh. Four guys total, including me. And you could only fight that fish for like 10 minutes, stand up fighting it. And your hands, your arms, hands, everything was done. He'd pass it off. So we just rotated on the fish. And the Pen 90 Senator, we had the drag button as hard as we could. I mean, we were turning that freaking star drag as hard as possible. And we cannot keep line on the reel. (sighs) So we fought that thing for about an hour and a half until it was about that like 60 to 80 feet away from the boat where they're just fucking death spiraling and you cannot get any line back. Uh-huh. And then we had to have one guy holding the rod, trying to put turns on the reel while another guy grabbed the line, you know, shoved line on it. And they were, you know, driving the boat, trying to get it close. And we finally got that fish. Um, oh, you did? Yeah, we got that fish. So yeah, if you look on my Instagram, okay, it's on a, there. Hey, and I'm gonna post this for your episode. That fish. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a great story, dude. It, it was epic, dude. Yeah. And what was crazy was, <laughs> so I'm yelling at my buddy. I'm like, okay, you know, gaff this fish. You know, hit him on the bottom of the belly. We're gonna turn him upside down. We had all this plan and shit. I thought <laughs> I knew what I was doing. That was bad. And he he's got like a. It's like a four foot Mako gaff, like my backup gaff. Yeah. Okay. Not strong enough at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I had like a six footer, which is, it was an AFCO. Now I've got a Merida gaff. Insane. Mm-hmm. Beautiful gaffs. There you go, They're dude. Unbelievable. Hey, sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Um, and, and as that fish was coming up, you know, we're backing down on that fish as he's spiraling. And my buddy just freaks out because right as we, we back down on the fish, the thing just right as it's coming under the rail, just turns and goes straight for the prop, you know? And he just reaches under and just tags it with the gaff. Yeah. And the damn gaff almost gets ripped out of his hands. I see his feet go in the air and he's kind of like on the rail with the thing and it's just busting white water everywhere. And I run over and just throw a gaff like in the side of its head. His gaff ends up ripping out and completely opening up and he gets back in there and sticks another one through it. And, uh, and then it finally settled down and we got it, but, uh, it was so close to losing that fish to the prop. I almost made a a pretty big error there. So just, yeah, ear to ear grins pulled back into Huntington Harbor with that big bluefin and people were just, what the fuck? That's huge. Yeah. It was a big fish. So it didn't quite, I don't think it was 200. It was probably about 180. It taped out at 180 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get that cow this year. Now I've got the rig to go out there and fish those fish a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to do it. And my goal this year, my dream is still to get one on the fly rod, a big one. I'd oh like to be triple dude. digits or, or over. Yeah. I, the, the One of the main issues is that those fish are so boat shy. And a lot of the guys that get them on gear, um, you're throwing an iron. You know, yeah. you can throw that iron 300 yards, you know, yeah. or these poppers, you can throw that thing so far and on a fly with a very nice cast, 120 feet and 120 feet on those bluefin. They're really finicky and yeah. you're trying to slide up, shut down the boat and get a cast. So it's, it's a waiting game. You need to just pull up, shut down and hope that those, you know, the direction they're coming, that they're going to come up towards the boat and you're going to get your shot. 
Um, so it's, it's a tough game. It's definitely not something I would guide for, or, you know, something like <laughs> this that. This is your shit. Yeah, but I'd you. like to try to get yeah, that done. Dude. So that's, that's on the list. <laughs> well, dude, pump your uh, guide service. Yeah, where so, can they get you at? You know, Pacific Fly Fishing okay. is where I'm doing that. Um, I will, if you follow me at Mason Stoller on Instagram too, I'll do, you know, I do a lot of the conventional thing. Um, it's just four pack fishing for conventional or two guys fly fishing and just specialize in, you know, getting you guys on a great saltwater experience and whatever the best opportunities are, that's what we're doing. Perfect. So, uh, so yeah, be honest and, uh, try to put you guys on some fish anytime. So I'm grateful for any opportunities. Hit me up and I'd love to you guys fishing. Either that or he'll rip your arm off with an arm bar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If thanks. necessary. <laughs> thanks for coming on, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right.